Yes, hello, this is Kenneth Anderson's podcast, and it's the 18th of April, 2021. The time is 19.47, and it is Wednesday. Now, today we are going to visit the book that we have started on called Wired for Love, how understanding your partner's brain and attachment style can help you diffuse conflict and build a secure relationship. This is taken from the pdfdrive.com, and you can also download it for free yourself. It is free to use in your discretions, of course. But uh, before we do that, let's just start the show as we usually do with uh, brainstorming. Of course, you have all watched the news about what is happening in Afghanistan, but... Of course, the story behind it is not so familiar with a lot of people. And of course, I'm not going to claim that I know the entire story. Uh, you, sh- you, you, should, uh, you should visit uh, Info, uh, Infowars and uh, Alex uh, if you want the true story about that. Because um, it is very dreadful, of course, and... It's not very good to think about people that are going to live under a dictatorial uh, form of government. It is never good to think about. So what keeps these uh, very evil um, things together? What keeps these... uh, kingdoms together. Well, the main reason is, as you could see with the planes leaving, uh, fear. People are afraid to get in the hands of uh, the the bad guys, mainly, of course, the uh, Taliban. But uh, it is true in every country, because when they have taken over, they only force they can use on people is the notion of violence. So the notion of violence, we should be very aware of not allowing it to enter our mind. How come? Well, because it's very simple, really. If someone is violent to you or your family, you can either fear and try to escape, or you can also yourself become violent. But it does not solve anything. It does not solve anything with the power structures of the world. Before people realize that the main characters behind this grand plan of things is, of course, the secret societies, the Freemasons, the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, the... The Fabian Society, Club of Rome, well, I have (laughs) talked about this in my videos for many, many, many years now, and I'm basically sick and tired of it, because nothing is really changing people's minds. Why? Because you and I have been raised a certain way from the television set. We have learned to trust our television set or our screen or our phone more so than 
human beings around us, even our loved ones. So this uh, shift we have done in our mind is of course very dangerous. You could say that now the time has come for a new regime change in Afghanistan. And of course, it's not going to be a very pleasant one. You and I know this, but the politicians around the world is now trying as good as they can to push the problem away, not dealing and coping with the refugees that is going to inevitably come our way. And of course, this is very tricky subject because for many years the al-Qaeda has been trained by the United States of America. Where do the weapons come from? Do they make them in the caves of Afghanistan? No, no. They are buying them from the Americans and all the rest of the minions that want to sell them weapons. So we have to come to the realization that the mainstream media is lying to us and has always been lying to us. And I do not know about you, but I do not want to become friends with a person who constantly lies with me or lies to me. So I'm not lo no longer friends with them. I'm no longer friends with the mainstream media. So this is my point that we should come to the realization that what we put through our eyes and ears has a great impact on our mood, but also who we are as a person, our belief system, so to speak. So what if our belief system is flawed? What if our belief system is that the government or the state-run media is our friend, like the ones you see in North Korea? Because North Korea knows deep inside themselves that they are living in a nightmare. They are living in hell on earth and have been doing this for many, many years now. But it's very simple and easy to make such a dictatorship. All you need to do is raise the military in such a way that they are fed, of course, and also that they come to the realization that if they rebel, they're also going to receive the boots of the government or the boots of the military. So these concentration camps that are scattered around North Korea, also scattered around <laughs> China and all the rest of the evil empires around the world, we, we have to come to the realization that fear is at the core of it. So the main thing is, and I want to teach all human beings this, is the ability to say no. But it has to be a strong no. It has to be no to anything that comes from the mainstream media and anything that comes from your government. Because every government on the planet are working on a plan or a scheme to take you and your family captives and basically well, kill you off or at least put you in camps. This is also true in Denmark, as I've been explaining many times before. But people are not aware of it. 
because they are still emerged in the propaganda that comes from the mainstream media. And the people in China or the people in North Korea, we know that uh, they are blind to the fact, or not very blind to the fact, but they believe their propaganda because that's all they have. They do not have any outside information. <laughs> so they're basically also very fearful because they know if they step out of line, if they ever criticize anything, they're going to wind up in a concentration camp where they are worked to death or their family are being killed in front of them, being hanged and being tortured in front of them. So you have to realize that it could happen in Denmark, it could happen in Germany, and I can reassure you that it's going to happen in Germany and going to happen in Denmark or Norway or any other country because the secret societies are intertwined with each other working on the same plan. And this is where the passport comes in because none of us have ever asked ourselves, well, where does this plan come from? Where does this idea come from that we all should have a passport uh, that connects us or interconnects us worldwide? Well, basically, that must uh, mean that that there is a headquarter that decides what you and I can talk about, what you and I can discuss. And I've been explaining this many, many times, but I do not believe that a lot of people are going to believe it, believe it me, because believing that your government is evil and is not there to benefit you whatsoever, coming to this realization well, it basically, you're coming to the realization that you actually have uh, cancer growing on you and it's going to eat you alive eventually. But you could ignore it. You could just say, well, it is, uh, it is a good thing that I have this because it is helping me. In what way is it helping you? It is taking away 60% of my money to do what? To make some benefits in society? Well, really not that good of a society when we break it down. And also, the fact that a lot of doctors is being paid off uh, right here, right now, as we speak, in order for them to oppress the, the side effects of the jab. Because when we get into the springtime, no, sorry, uh, the autumn, there are going to be another outbreak, and I say this very uh, ironically because it's basically people who have had side effects that are going to uh, take the blame for a new disease, or they are going to, or the government, or the doctors are going to say that it is basically a new disease that has arised. It's not the vaccines. When it is, in fact, the jab that they are going to uh, put upon the general population. So you see, the scam is very deep. A lot of people are not going to come to this realization. Actually, they are going to be very angry at people who suggest this solution or suggest this 
as the truth. So how come I am still talking about this so many years ago? And today also, seven years ago, I talked about this with the vaccines, and today I'm talking about it. Now people can start realizing it. Of course, I'm not saying that everyone is in the dark about uh, how they are going to be or how they are being manipulated with. But it's kind of like the image or the picture that I have made. It's kind of, I believe it's called hypnotic sensor. Or I have called this image hypnotic sensor. It's basically us being under a kind of mind control or mind spell that we cannot really get out of or we have a difficult time getting out of. So what is the reason why this is happening to us or how can we not get out of it? Well, because we have been taught for a very young age that the television is good for us. We have not have parents that have, yeah, basically, maybe if there were violent video games or violent movies, they had said no to us and we should not see this as a very young, uh, uh, a young person. But today, well, it is a free for all. Basically, if you analyze the entertainment industry, the video games and the movies or the things that people are entertaining them with. It is basically like the old slot machine uh, that blinks and shines with lights or lots of lights and bright lights and uh, lots of sounds when you hit the jackpot. It's basically us receiving a little endorphine boost every time we win something on the screen or every time we see something exciting. But it is also part of molding our mind. Who can not say that they have heard about Me Too movement? Of course, everyone has heard about this. And yes, I've also tried to explain that this is also from the secret societies. It's basically a plan to, uh, to make it so that there are no politicians in the future uh, that can go into politics. Uh, only the ones who are homosexual and are women. And we know from the story, from history, how that worked out for uh, the general population. So this Me Too movement is trying to put in wedge between women and men. So how come we like to discuss it? How come we like to get into an argument that are really not going to benefit us at all? It's not going to bring us closer together. Because I believe that deep inside, deep inside every human being is the core of everlasting love and kindness. But a lot of people are not aware of this. A lot of people have maybe felt this a couple of times in their life, but are afraid to 
express loving kindness towards other human beings because they are afraid that they are going to meet to be met with negative human emotions and a lot of people are of course but that's because other people are also raised in similar ways that you are and me are we have all been raised in a similar way through the television set we have been taught that violent video games violent movies movies who portray people's bad behaviors are something that we can allow ourselves to be entertained by also the social media facebook twitter instagram or the rest of the crap and the mainstream media that constantly tells us what to fear and the solutions to our fears. This is something that we have allowed our mind to be occupied with our entire lifetime. So <laughs> saying no to this, saying no to all these bad human personality traits that are being portrayed as something that we can allow ourselves to be entertained by has made us cold. We have actually had a heart of, yeah, the Bible says diamonds, hard as a rock, hard as a diamond. We have not been allowed or we have not taken our liberties back so that we can mold our mind in a direction that we want. Because I believe that love and kindness should be the main uh, occupation of our mind. We should look for other human beings that also want to show love and kindness towards us in the way they speak and talk. And of course, a lot of people do want this. A lot of people like it when other people's uh, people around them are happy and content with their life and also have some uplifting stories to tell them. It makes us draw closer to each other. So we should really try to analyze what is it that makes us divided? What is it that makes us as humans divided in our mind? Well, it's basically the main trick of the day, of course, I have explained this many times, that uh, we as human beings, we are under a mind control game, a very sophisticated one. There are scientists behind it all that have higher IQs than you and I and a third person put together because they have basically studied human beings for many, many years, Studies, studied how we react when they put some uh, sort of input in us, how are our reaction? And the World Wide Web has even taught them uh, to be even better at this. They can actually see the impact almost, or they can calculate the impact of us humans, the way we react, even before they put the input in the internet. So how come we are only talking about topics that they decide? They basically decide what topics are we going to discuss or talk about today. There's only five or six topics, six topics that they want us to decide 
uh, or talk about. And we do not even, even realize this. Shouldn't we be talking about love and kindness? Shouldn't we be talking about bettering each other's lives? Shouldn't we be talking about and even doing into action to become closer to human beings? Visiting other human beings, not just sitting on our asses and looking at the screen. Asking ourselves some questions like, how many hours am I really occupying my mind with the screen? And yes, I cannot, <laughs> because, uh, I cannot be free of this also because I'm under an education. So, so I'm spending a lot of time on a screen, uh, looking at the screen. But I am also very aware of the mind control that is being pulled over our eyes. Because if I want to become a loving and caring and kind human being, I need to focus on this basically 90% of the time I am here on the planet. So how can I portray this very important message to you so that you can understand it, but not only understand it, but also take action into your own hands, take your life back to yourself. Because I can very simply say it like the, that I've always done, that uh, you have to be very careful about what you put through your eyes and ears, because it has a great effect on us. It has not only a great effect on you, but also your surroundings. It also has a great effect on me and my surroundings. So being aware of our inner values, because it is a very short life that we are going to live. Basically, maybe 70, 80 years, 90 to 100, if we are very unlucky. So what are we spending our life on? What kind of entertainment do we have? What kind of thoughts do we have? And this is where I believe the most important thing comes into the picture. Learning to say no and starting to meditate. It's, it could be for a half an hour to an hour every day, but at least give yourself some time to decouple away from the matrix, away from other people's opinions, other people's way of thinking. Because once you get in touch with your inner core, your thought processes, and also you can start to try even to analyze your thoughts and what comes up when you meditate. Because when you start this process, you will realize that a lot of thoughts are very negative. You have a, maybe I'm not sure, but many people have a very negative inner voice, inner dialogue with themselves. And when you start meditating, you become aware of your inner thoughts. Then you can actually do something about it. But you need to stay focused. You need to put your awareness 
in your meditation somewhere else. It could be on your breathing, counting your breath, so that every time you have a thought that enters your mind, you quickly get your attention back to counting your breathing. And when you do this a lot of times, and I'm not saying it's going to take one or two days, but maybe a week to 14 days, you are going to you're going to feel a, a great thing happening inside you. You're going to basically take your life back to yourself. You're going to take your thought processes back to yourself. You're going to get in contact with your inner core, which is love and kindness. And it can be a very troublesome experience because if you have not been in contact with it for many years and suddenly you get in contact with it, a lot of emotions are going to be stirred up. Also, you have maybe had some traumatic events in your childhood that is also going to occur. So it's very important that you take it slowly and easily and you try to come to the realization that your thoughts are only your thoughts. And when you keep on taking your focus back to yourself and to your breathing, you're going to come to this realization that thoughts can occupy my mind, but they can also just uh, fly by. And when you become more and more practiced in this, you come to this realization that perhaps I need to work my way through this inner journey of mine. And once you start working on your inner journey, you also come to the realization <clears throat> that deep inside ourselves, we are but one. We are interconnected. We come from the same place. All 7.8 billion people of us, we come from an egg and a sperm cell, which comes from an egg and a sperm cell, which comes from an egg and a sperm cell, and so forth and so on. That means that we come from something that you could place in the head of a top of a needle, but you could also place that in the head of a top of a needle. That's our father and mother. But you could also place that in the head of a top of a needle, that's our grandfather and grandmother, and so forth and so on. So coming to this conclusion that, well, it's pretty intelligent made, therefore there have to be an intelligent creator behind it all. I believe that his name is Jehovah God, the Almighty One. And a lot of people are trying to search for him search for him because he and only he has the source of everlasting loving kindness and life within him. And of course his one begotten son Jesus Christ who got resurrected and is now in the heavens that is the ransom that he has paid for us. Meaning that when we die we should not really worry about dying so much we should worry about how we live our lives today. 
are we, as Jehovah God explained it in his words, and he looked down on people right before the flood, and he said that every human being on the planet, their thoughts were evil all day long. So this is a very blunt statement from Jehovah God, the Almighty One. So could we fall into this trap of our thoughts being evil all day long? Yes, of course. It was very easy back then, so why shouldn't it be easy today? But becoming aware of your own inner strength, becoming aware of the fact that you are born with a free will, you can decide what you put through your eyes and ears. It is actually possible to say no to anything that you do not want to be or participate in. This is something that I believe that you should take into consideration when you live your life to the fullest. Because we human beings, we tend to fall back into what the group is thinking. Peer pressure, so to speak. We do not want to stand out. We do not want to be the ones that uh, turn the ship around or talk in a vastly different direction than every other human being on the planet does. So we do not want to be the ones that stands out. And that is actually what is hindering us into reaching our full potential, into reaching our contact with our inner core, love and kindness, and eventually getting into contact with Jehovah God, the Almighty One. Because Jehovah God is always waiting for us. Everyone on the planet can simply just close their eyes and pray to Jehovah God in the name of Jesus Christ, and he will listen, and he will send his angels uh, to your path. But a lot of people are not doing this because of the nightmares that they are going to experience when they do this. And where does the nightmares come from? Well, of course, the opponent. Because the Jehovah God made all the angels perfect, but they also have a free will. And a lot of them have decided not to worship or serve Jehovah God. They are actually serving his opponent, Satan and his demons, like the Rothschilds and Rockefellers and also the participants of Bohemian Grove, for example. So they receive an evil spirit from the world that is the complete opposite of Jehovah God's loving and kind spirit, because loving kindness comes from Jehovah God. It comes when we pray to him, and the nightmares come from his, his opponent. But if you are persistent, if you keep on praying to Jehovah God, the Almighty One, in the name of Jesus Christ, they are going to eventually leave, because they are very afraid of Jehovah God and his angels, because they know what awaits them. They know that total destruction is awaiting them because they have had a more profound knowledge of 
Jehovah God's plan with us humans, because the plan was that we should make a paradise on earth. We should have people unite without regard of color or creed or money or power or anything else like that. We should be aware of the fact that we are created equally in the eyes of Jehovah God, and we have equally a potential to show love and kindness, everlasting love and kindness to each other. But because of what we are not saying no to, what we are putting through our eyes and ears, we have had very bad influence on bad human beings that eventually, in the end, are worshiping the great opponent of Jehovah God. So coming to this realization that we are under not only people that are going to or try to take your mind away from you and basically they're trying to make you their slave, saying no to this, getting out of it, is very important. And once we get out of it, once we start worshiping and praying to Jehovah God, the Almighty One, for guidance in our lives, once we start deciding that we are only going to try as good as we can to put good thoughts from other human beings that show love and kindness in our minds, we should eat some good, healthy food, food that is nourishing, that is uplifting, that makes us in a better mood. So be very aware of what we put through our eyes and ears, because this is not just a podcast of any other podcast. It is a podcast that I'm trying as good as I can to explain something profoundly to you that is very important. Because regardless of me <laughs> talking about this for many, many years, and I'm not going to change a lot of minds out there, but I am changing my own mind. I'm trying as good as I can to get into this direction that I know Jehovah God wants me to go. It's not very easy, but it becomes more and more easy for every day that goes by, because this is what I live for. I live for Jehovah God. I die for Jehovah God. We all do this. But you know that we are going to receive a resurrection. Every human being on the planet, when they die, they are going to receive a resurrection. But we also have to be very aware of the fact that the way we live our lives right here, right now, if it is not filled with happiness, if it is not filled with human beings that love us for who we are and accept us for who we are, well, we are not really allowing ourselves to be molded in a more positive direction. So becoming aware of this very important message. It comes from Jehovah God because He all loves us very much. He all wants us to unite as a family, 
of one. But the only way we are going to do this, and not a lot of people are going to do this, is saying no to the garbage from the garbage can. Because I know that it's, that it's not going to happen. Only when Jehovah God says enough is enough, I cannot put a date on it, and none of us can. But eventually we are all going to reach our Armageddon when we die. So when we die and get a resurrection, what are we going to open our eyes up to? Everlasting love and kindness. Well, it's up to us. Because if we have tried as good as we can to fill up our mind with positive thoughts and ideas from other human beings, we have tried to make friends by showing love and kindness to other human beings. We have tried as good as we can to think before we speak so that our speech can be uplifting. Our speech can provide another human being with love and kindness. Well, then we can rest assured that when we die and get a resurrection, we are going to be placed in a very beautiful place because Jehovah God has taught, taught us this. He has promised us this. But it's not going to be very easy for a lot of people because they're going to be resurrected with a very, very bad personality. Perhaps they have been a person who tortured, a person who killed for pleasure. So that person, when he gets a resurrection or she gets a resurrection, it's not going to be very pleasant for them, meaning that they have a lot of work to do before they can reach a loving and kindness state that Jehovah God can approve of. So we have to come to this realization that why not just start today? Why not start today with molding our mind in a more positive direction? Why not take our mind back to ourselves and mold it to a more beautiful human being that wants to show love and kindness to others? So I hope you will join me in this journey. I know it's not going to be very easy because we are surrounded by people who are not willing to take this journey, take on the challenge that we as human beings, we deep inside, our core is love and kindness. But getting in contact with it, well, that journey, that is not going to happen for a lot of people because they are afraid to open up to their inner core. And this afraidness or this fear is what controls the world. It, it, it is what controls the matrix. So when we take our mind back through the meditation, saying no to the garbage from the garbage can, we can see life more clearly. We can see the loving kindness coming from Jehovah God through His Holy Spirit more clearly. We can get in contact with the inner core of us. And when we do this, we can try as good as we can to get our inner core 
to become in harmony with the person that we show when we go out into society. Because a lot of people are not doing this. A lot of people are afraid. A lot of people are holding their hand up to opportunities of feeling love and kindness. And this is also part of the matrix or part of garbage can. Because the garbage can is making people afraid. It's making making people afraid to open up to the possibility of other human beings that want to show them love and kindness, that are working on themselves, so much so that they can actually say that I have bettered my personality than it was from yesterday. So if I try as good as I can to show love and kindness and I do an even better job tomorrow than I did today and I did yesterday, then I am moving in the right direction. And I also hope that you are going to join me in this journey. So without further ado, because now I have been talking for 40 minutes and many times I talk to two hours, so you have to excuse myself, I have to read out loud now. So let's just uh, find something here like this one. And let's read out loud. Introduction, Wired for Love. Look around you. We live in a highly complex world. The array of devices, machinery, technology and processes that makes it thick in is mind-blowing. Just within the lifetime of many still alive today, humanity has come to regard as commonplace travel to the far side of the planet. The instant replay of events around the globe and the ability to speak to and see just about anyone, anywhere, at any time, among many other things, We enjoy the advantages these scientific advantages has brought us, and we curse them when they break down. And of course, they do break down at times. For this reason, we turn to guidebooks, everything from a car owner manual that shows how much to inflate your tire, to the instructions that shows how much better to load in your waffle maker. We may hate the thought of consulting a manual, or calling for technical support, except perhaps in a pinch. But can you really operate all these things successfully simply through intuition? Relationships are complex too. Yet we often attempt them with a minimum of guidance and support. I'm not suggesting you should follow a standard set of one, two, three steps in relating to your partner. Relationships will never come with manuals that automate the process. We aren't robots. What works for one couple won't necessarily work for another. But neither does it work to fly blind as many couples do and expect relationships to fall into place. Hence the need for well-informed guidance that supports your relationship and what might be considered well-informed in this context. In fact, a large and fascinating body of scientific knowledge and theory with the potential to influence how partners relate to one another has been acquiring in recent decades. This includes revolutionary work in the field of neuroscientists and neurobiology, 
psychopsychology and psychologically a psychology I believe Cobble can benefit from this wealth of research. You may find this idea intimidating, but don't worry. I'm not suggesting you need to quit your job and go back to school. I think you'll find the basic theories quite straightforward when you hear them explained in late language. In short, it's my conviction that having a better understanding about how our brains function, in other words, how we are wired, puts us in a better position to make well-informed choices in our relationship. Scientific evidence suggests that, from a biological standpoint, we humans have been wired largely for purposes that are more warlike than loving in nature. That's the bad news. But the good news is that recent research suggests a variety of strategies and techniques are available to reverse this predisposition. We can, in effect, take steps to assure we are primarily wired for love. These strategies can help us create stable, loving relationships in which we are poised to effectively diffuse conflict when it arises. So why not make use of them? In the first three chapters of this book, I provide you with general principle, drawn from cutting-edge research, to help you understand what makes a relationship successful and work towards that with your partner. The chapter that follows expand on these principles in practical ways. For example, if you have a clear sense of your partner's relationship style based on the latest research, it will be easier for the two of you to work together and fix any problems that may arise. In essence, this book can serve as an owner's manual for understanding yourself, your partner and your relationship. Now you may raise your eyebrows at the notions of an owner's manual. Your partner isn't property after all. I couldn't agree more. However, I like this metaphor because it conveys the levels of mutual responsibility and detailed knowledge of the relationship a couple needs to be successful. In fact, I would propose to you that all couples do in fact follow one or another set of rules and principles in their relationship. They may not be conscious of it, but they already have an owner's manual of sort. Unfortunately, many couples have the wrong manual, and in the case of distressed couples, they always have it wrong. In my work with couples, I've noticed that partners tend to form their own theories about the cause of their problems. They do this out of distress and despair, and out of their need to know why. Why am I in pain? Why am I feeling threatened or unsafe? Why is this relationship not working out as expected? Partners work hard to come up with answers to such questions, and sometimes their answers provide an immediate sense of relief. Now I know why this is happening. However, in the long run, these theories generally don't work. They aren't sufficiently accurate to help the relationship. They don't stop the pain. They don't alter our fundamental wiring. Ultimately, relying on such theories is one way of flying blind. In fact, at times, inaccurate theories further undermine the couple's sense of security and happiness. More often than not, instead of ending the war between partners, grasping a Grasping onto reasons and theories only creates more of a fortress. It only supplies more ammunition for the couple to throw at one another. 
I've noticed partners there is almost always a pro-self, not pro-relationship. For instance, one partner says, we argue because he doesn't like the same thing I like. Another says, she's so inconsistent. Oh, sorry, she is so inconsiderate. No wonder I feel hurt. Or, this relationship isn't working because he's not the person I married. In each case, the focus is on the individual coming up with a theory. One of the most important divorce, sorry, discoveries a couple can make is that it is possible to shift into a pro-relationship stance. Theories from this stance sound more like the following. We have problems sticking to our arc, sorry, we have problems sticking to our agreement or we do things that hurt one another. To make this shift, partners must be willing to throw out their old theories and consider new ones. They must be willing to rewire. <laughs> Personally, I learned some of this the hard way. For many years, my speciality as a psychotherapist was working with individuals suffering from pers- personality disorders. I became interested in the early prevention of such disorders. As my practice began to focus more on adult couples, I found myself wanting to identify, earlier in the therapy, ways to prevent their problems too. Around this time, one of the great shocks of my life came to pass. My first wife and I divorced. During the period that followed, my need to understand why my marriage had failed led to a creative obsession spurring me to more closely investigate the science behind relationships. I sensed that my fellow therapists and I must be missing something, something more we could uh, do to help couples in distress and could do earlier in their relationship. I might not have been able to salvage my marriage, but I could try harder to prevent failure from others and for myself in the future. Ultimately, I came up with several key areas of research I believe could point towards the difference between success and failure in relationships. I'm not speaking of research I conducted. These were the fields of study I mentioned earlier that have witnessed enormous leaps forward in the past few decades. The more I studied the latest findings and observed how they played out daily in my office, the more lights flashed in my mind. I realized this valuable knowledge wasn't being properly synthesized for and focused on adult couples. Therapists working with couples had not begun to connect the disparate uh, dots of various scientists. They were a bit like technical support people working with out-of-date manuals. Their advice only went so far. I became confident the most important thing I could do with my time and energy was to find the connections between these areas of research and put them to practical clinical use. One of these areas in the field of neuroscientists, the study of the human brain, 
This I discovered provide a psychological basis for understanding our strengths and weaknesses, including those that drive our relationship. For example, I am utterly stupid when it comes to math, an ability managed by many parts of the brain, such as the interpensal sulcus. Fortunately, my work doesn't depend on math, nor do my relationship with my wife and daughter, but my ability to read faces, emotional tones and social cues managed by the brain's right hemisphere is a different matter. If I were weak in this area, I would be out of a job and maybe even a marriage again. As we will see in Chapter 2, some parts of our brain predisposes us to first and foremost seek security. This can wreak havoc on a relationship if we don't learn to use the more evolved part of the brain to override this wiring and exert control of the primary part. A secondary area of research is attachment theory, which explains our biological need to attach to or bond with others, starting with our earliest relationships. Our early experience from an instructional blueprint that is stored in body memory and becomes part of our basic rational wiring, our sense of safety and security, in a nutshell, some individuals are fundamentally secure in their relationship while others are insecure. Insecurity can lead to us to remain distant from a partner or to harbor ambivalence about relating. However, insecurity manifests, as we will see in Chapter 3. It has insistious effect on a relationship if we don't try to rewire the dysfunctional tendencies acquired early in life. This area of research I found fascinating and helpful was the biological of human arousal. When you hear of arousal, you may immediately think of sexual arousal, but I am referring here to a more general sense of arousal, our moment-to-moment ability to manage our energy, alertness and readiness to engage. In the context of couples, research in this area suggests how we as partners can manage one another's highs and lows. We don't have to remain at the mercy of each other's runaways, moods and feelings. Rather, as competent managers of our partners, we can become experts at moving, shifting, motivating, influencing, soothing and inspiring one another. Each of these areas of research informs this book. In the past 10 years, I have synthesized these ideas and integrated them into my therapy practice. I call this work a psychological approach. Along the way, I realized this approach isn't of value just to couples seeking therapy. Everyone who is in or is planning to be in or even hoping to be in a relationship can benefit. And I have been a prime beneficiary. All the hard work I did paved the way for my current marriage, in which I discovered and have, for the first time, been able to enjoy a secure, functioning family. This relationship became the gold standard by which I could test and measure the principles described in this book. As I mentioned, many couples seek reasons for their problems, yet the theories and reasons they come up with generally are are false. The approach I am offering can, I believe, make the difference. 
In a nutshell, I'll help you harness the power of your brain and your partner's brain for love instead of war in a scientifically supported way. In this book, I present 10 key principles that show you how to avoid common pitfalls that deter or undermine so many relationships. These principles are Creating a couple bubble allows partners to keep each other safe and secure. Partners can make love and avoid war when the security-seeking part of the brain are put at ease. Partners relate to one another primarily as anchors, securely attached islands, insecurely avoidance, or waves, insecurely ambivalent. Partners who are experts on one another know how to please and soothe each other. Partners with busy lives should create and use bedtimes and morning rituals as well as reunion rituals to stay connected. Partners should serve as the primary go-to people for other, for another, for one another. Sorry, partners should prevent each other from being a third wheel when relating to outsiders. Partners who want to stay together must learn to fight well. Partners can rekindle their love at any time through eye contact. Partners can minimize each other's stress and optimize each other's health. These principles are based on the latest science, but let me stress again. You don't have to grasp the technicalities of the science to understand these principles. I have done that for you. In fact, we've done, I've done my best to make them fun and enjoyable. I promise not to put you to sleep with scientific jargon. As I said, life is complex enough already. If there is a hallmark for this age, perhaps it will be our ability to take the complex findings of scientific research and apply them smoothly and effectively in our everyday lives to better understand ourselves and to love more fully. Each chapter includes exercises to help you apply the principle discussed therein. You can do most of the exercises on your own, or you and your partner can do them together. Actually, there's a certain irony here. I, irony here. An important premise of this book is that happy couples share a high degree of closeness and togetherness. Yet most people tend to read books, even books about relationships, on their own. So I encourage you to buck this trend. Share what is in this book with your partner. You will get even more out of it. So we can come to chapter number one. The Couple Bubble how you can keep each other safe and secure. But this is, of course, for a different podcast, because we have reached the hour. <laughs> so, of course, this is just another book about relationship that I have uh, stumbled upon, and I'm going to read it out loud. Of course, I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect. None of the relationships books are. But looking at relationships at a different angle and also can be it can also be very helpful for us to when we reach our inner core of love and kindness, we actually show love and kindness to other human beings because we want it to be shown or show to our loved ones, the our partner. But we can also, if we do not have a partner, we can actually show our openness and love and kindness to other human beings as well. So I, as it says here, 
in the in the last uh, couple of uh, words in the book here in the introduction i believe that if you do not have a partner you can actually use this as a way in the future if you should stumble upon a partner to actually better your chances of not ending up in a divorce or a breakup because we human beings when we get close to each other or maybe even we feel too close to each other we feel lost ourselves we feel that we have lost ourselves to another person and we feel that if that person makes a mistake or says something wrong then that is is all for nothing that we have open our heart to that person in vain. It has been a mistake, we think, because the person has flaws that we were not aware of. But you have flaws also that you are not aware of. So instead of working on another person's flaws, we should work on our own. We should come to the conclusion that by working on ourselves, by working on our inner core, by being aware of saying no to garbage from the garbage can, saying no to people who want to take over your mind or your life, that is going to be very beneficial for you, your partner, your loved ones, as also I hope for me also. When I start as good as I can to get into the direction that I want my life to head. Because you could say, well, if I go tomorrow, if I'm gone tomorrow, what is left? Well, about 1,200 videos, most of them about <laughs> the current situation in the world. A lot of them was about me for 14 years in the Jehovah's Witnesses but also in the last couple of years has been about molding my mind in a way that I feel is right for me, that I feel is more uplifting for me, that I feel that I get a sense of loving kindness to enter into me that I can express to human beings that I meet on the road of life. And of course, I would highly suggest that you come to the realization that love and kindness comes from Jehovah God, the Almighty One. So this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. I hope you love each other and are kind to one another. It is the 18th of August, 2021. The time is 2050 and it is Wednesday. Bye.